Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We already lost a war because of Joe Biden. We lost many, many lives because of Joe Biden, because of his incompetence, his stubbornness, his limited intelligence, lots of reasons. So we lost a war. And now it looks like a war is about to start thanks to Joe Biden and his incompetence, his stubbornness, his limited intellect. It does appear as though Russia is on the verge of entering Ukraine once again, just like they did in the Obama-Biden administration. And this was really bad stuff that resulted. Joe Biden has never worn the uniform of our country. It's very easy for him to say, well, little, little invasions, no big deal, right? I still can't believe he said it. I'm not so sure he has uh, is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. Yikes. Um, it's bad stuff. And uh, you saw his people had to go out the next day and spin, 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 say that's not really what he meant. We are strong. We are strong. We are strong. All these talking heads all over the place. But they don't add up to the president of the United States. He said it. Uh, Ukraine is more vulnerable now. And Russia seems to be holding all the cards. One of the problems here Joe has not revamped his national security team. After the horrible loss in Afghanistan, you would have thought that maybe he would have gotten rid of, I don't know, his national security advisor, a guy by the name of Jake Sullivan, who smugly and um, just made mistake after mistake after mistake, and nobody was really calling him out on anything. Fake news got a little bit touchy, but... He still works there. Uh, when we were raising concerns about Afghanistan and getting out, and boy, oh boy, this looks awful. This looks just like Saigon. What did he say? To be fair, the helicopter has been the mode of transport from our embassy to the airport for the last 20 years. But you know the larger that is, point. That is, it's not the that helicopter. Is how we move it's not the mechanism. Forth, so. It's not the same thing, of course. It's far, far worse. But uh, he got away with that. He did. Still working. Nobody's been fired because then Joe would ultimately be responsible. So we have Vladimir Putin, who's enjoying the hell out of this. And we've got uh, President Zelensky. So for this, uh, 
now a second time, uh, America must really, he must wonder about us, right? The Congress pursued that phony impeachment against Donald Trump. And now this, an incompetent president has given Russia the green light. What is he to think? Um, it's funny how a former comedian, the Zelensky uh, character here, I shouldn't call him a character, he's the president of Ukraine. Uh, colorful past, but he's the guy. Okay, President Zelensky, he is the wise one in this entire matter. He's the prudent one. Far better than Joe Biden in terms of intellect, in terms of responsibility. Look at the statement he put out, and I understand where he's coming from. Uh, he put out the statement, there are no minor incursions. Of course, he's right. You're right, President uh, Zelensky. There are no minor casualties and little grief from the loss of loved ones. He is right. So we have a calamity on our hands. It looks like uh, there's no stopping it. We wanted to talk to Germany and the German chancellor, major power in Europe, is blowing off Joe Biden. Why? Well, because his status, uh, our strength, our position in the world, they're all on the decline. It's been taking place for a while, but it was hastened just the other day with this ridiculous press conference. Uh, a lot of damage was done. Anyway, I did notice something about Joe. You know when he does that weird uh, obscene phone call kind of thing? You've seen it a million times. And uh, I found, I believe, a key piece of the puzzle into why he might be doing this. First, this is what he's doing, a lot. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're gonna be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week. The United States, over two hours in direct conversation across the table. Very few schools are closing. Over 95% are still open. 95% are still open. That's really weird and creepy. And he does it all the time. Why? All right. Put that aside for a moment. You remember when Joe was called out during the campaign for all of this nonsense he's been doing over the years, touching, fondling, sniffing women he just met. We've all seen it. We've all been horrified by it. He did it for years, and, uh, well, finally he was called out, and he can't do it anymore, and he shouldn't have done it, period. So, going back to that thing where he's whispering all the time. He's not whispering all the time. You know when he whispers? When the reporter or the reporters are women. It's true. We found five instances of him doing that. What's going on? wrote the check. He only does it when there are female reporters. Let me know what you think. In the meantime, most presidents complain of the bubble, the White House. It's such a bubble. You can't get out and talk to the real people. You know, you're, you're important. You got the Secret Service. And they, they, they don't like that because politicians, they like people and they want to know what the people are thinking. And if you're cut off from that, that's a problem. You gotta know what the people are thinking. So in that press conference, uh, Joe, I thought he was gonna go there. I thought he was about to say how frustrated he was that he couldn't see people more and he wanted to get out there and 
find out more about them. But then there was a little twist, a very bizarre, but very important twist. Part of the problem is, as well, I have not been out in the community nearly enough. I've been here an awful lot. I find myself in a situation where uh, um, I don't get a chance to look people in the eye because of both COVID and things that are happening in Washington to be able to go out and do the things that I've always been able to do pretty well. Connect with people. Let them take a measure of my sincerity. Let them take a measure of who I am. Let them take a measure of my sincerity. Let them look me in the eye. It's about him. It's not about us. It's about him. That is the most significant thing that was said yesterday, apart from the Ukraine debacle. Measure of me, me, me. He wants to be outside the bubble so he can brag about stuff he did 30 years ago. For example, I mean, as I pointed out in South Carolina, um, you know, last time when I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee, I got the Voting Rights Act extended for 25 years and I got Strom Thurmond to vote for it. That's what I've been doing my whole career. His whole career. Career. That word actually stuck with me. Career. When I was in the Marine Corps, in the early part of my Marine Corps service, career was considered a bad word. You didn't talk about a career, you talked about service. This was started by a general by the name of Al Gray, General Al Gray. Unless you care more about others than yourself, you will fall prey to careerism. For General Gray, careerism was a bad thing. To this day, I don't like the word career. You're not supposed to think that way. You're supposed to be more outwardly thinking. Look, I use the word, I'm not, yeah, I, I do. I talk about my career, but still, because of him, careerism has a negative connotation. Here's a little bit more from the general. What makes uh, Al Gray really mad? <laughs> That's a tough uh, question. I, I think that, for example, when people uh, in the profession of arms uh, put themselves ahead of the people they're privileged to, to lead. That gets my attention. All right, when people put themselves ahead of the people they're privileged to lead. Now he's talking about military men, but Joe Biden is the leader of this country. Uh, I have a feeling that um, uh, the general would not approve of Joe Biden. I don't know for sure, but uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, talking about his career, talking about how he wants people to look at him. He doesn't want to know about their problems. He wants people to look at him and get the measure of him. More from the general. If and whenever you ever are inclined to put anything ahead of those people, except your mission, those magnificent people, who ask for so little, afloat or ashore, and yet who give so much. If you ever change that from your number one priority, you have got to leave our core. If you ever put something in front of your mission, you've got to leave the core. 
What do you think Joe Biden has in front of his mission to be president, to be our leader? He's got a lot. He's got a terribly flawed son. He's got a checkered past. He's got so much that I think he prioritizes above all of us. By the way, General Gray, Al Gray is still alive at the age of 93. And I got to meet him more than once, actually. That's a mess night uh, right here in New York City in the early 1990s, along with my dad, then Colonel Ray Kelly. He's quite a man. That was quite a night. Uh, I wish the general well. I haven't talked to him in decades. I don't know how he feels about politics, but uh, Semper Fi, sir. We'll be right back. There's a dangerous movement taking place in America, dismantling democracy, destroying our economy, stripping our freedom. Sean Spicer brings you an all-new book revealing Biden's dangerous plans for America. Radical Nation exposes the plan to turn America into a socialist nation and what you can do to stop them. President Trump says, if you want to save America, you must read this book. Get your free copy with this special offer. Go online or call the number on your screen. All I can can say is that that the the fake fake news just doesn't doesn't get it. So I'm not sure if I should ignore the racism of MSNBC or highlight it, but tonight I am going to highlight it because it's affecting the country. Nobody really watches the show, but it's having an impact at the same time, the way our government operates. So it affects basically America. Here it is. Let me let me ask you this question. Do you think it was a mistake looking back? Because, you know, the the the, the infrastructure bill um, that was passed was cleaved apart from what's now being called Build Back Better. And in a sense, it's a bill that's like a white guy employment act, right? There's going to be a lot of working class men that are going to get employed by that bill. But that's the very cohort that is much more likely to reward Republicans for that. That's who they vote for. Most, you know, working class white guys vote Republican. Wow. We don't want those working class white guys to get jobs. Working class. No, 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 no. We want to. This is all politics. We want to score political. But this is a horrible, corrupt, vile way to look at the world. By the way, I want everybody to have a job. I want all working class people to have jobs, upper class, middle, lower, no matter what their race. But this is horrific. Now, it's not just some idiot on television spouting out hate. This kind of nonsense, they're worried about her. The government, Pete Buttigieg, wants to appease her. And not just Pete, the Attorney General of the United States. Because what he's about to say, it's a fantasy. It doesn't exist. We are wasting our time pursuing phantoms. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. That is a lie. That is not true. They can fudge the numbers. They can play all kinds of games. They can go back. It's not true. And just last Saturday night, we faced a terrorist attack in America An Islamic extremist terrorist whack job took over a synagogue in Texas. 
And the FBI pretended initially that this had nothing to do with terrorism, that this wasn't uh, about Jewish people. When he said on the phone, everybody knew it, that this was about Jewish people and anti-American and he wants to bring more jihad to America. How about Waukesha, Wisconsin? Have you heard about that? Like uh, since Christmas, this guy, Darrell Wilson, is the suspect in a horrible slaughter. He took that car, allegedly is him behind the wheel, throughout Christmas Day Parade. This is shortly after the Rittenhouse uh, not guilty verdict. Looks like he was mad and he wanted to kill white people. And he did. Six of them, including a young child. But we're going to pretend that this did not happen. We're going to look the other way because it does not fit a narrative. Doesn't comport with what the attorney general was talking about. This is not white supremacy. Just like that horrible crime in Los Angeles, a 24-year-old white girl, yikes, not much, uh, you can't get much lower than that these days being a white woman, can you? Her suspect, career criminal, let's just uh, not make too big a deal out of this, huh? Oh, by the way, there's a, a Los Angeles councilman, city councilman by the name of Paul Koretz. He's a Democrat. And uh, we have to applaud him because he uh, took a radical position. We should not defund the police. He's been saying it for a year and a half at least. We got to support. Uh, we got to support the cops. Here he is saying something. Does this seem controversial to you? If we did what is being asked to do and we defunded the police and in a week they were gone, I think that would be the worst decision the city council has ever made. He said, I think the city would look a little bit like the movie The Purge, which I haven't seen, but apparently, you know, crime and mayhem prevail. What did they do to him when he said this? What did the residents of Los Angeles, some of them do? They went to his house and yelled at him and threw stuff at his house. Take a look. They wanted this guy's resignation because he did not want to defund the cops. Anyway, he was uh, very vocal in the aftermath of the killing of uh, Brianna Kupfer and of great assistance, I believe, to the family and to the police department, Councilman Paul Koretz. All right, now this. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? There's been a lot of talk about Joe Biden's cognitive decline, and we've seen it. And by the way, James Rosen is coming up, the one who asked the big question the other day in the press conference. Um, and the cognitive decline part is where he loses his train of thought and kind of uh, mumbles and stumbles. And But what about when he breaks into a great big smile for no apparent reason? Have you noticed this? Take a look. Mr. President, <laughs> your spending package voting... Big picture, particularly when you think about. And has your view of him changed in the president into the country? <laughs> Russia very quickly. It seemed like you said. Satisfied with your team here at the White House, sir. Mr. President, <laughs> your spending package voting. Big picture, particularly when you think about. Um, you notice that no one else is laughing in the room when he is pretending to have a good time. Do we have any psychologists out there? What 
is this all about? It's strange. Is it just passive aggressive behavior? There's something going on about this because it was phony. He wasn't enjoying himself. He didn't find anything funny. This, I believe, was Joe being the real Joe. Look what I said. Go back and read what I said and tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor that they were Bull Connor. And that is an interesting reading of English. You, you, I assume you got into, into journalism because you like to write. I mean, just really vicious. You know, Donald Trump could be mean, but he was kind of fun mean and interesting mean and actually mean, not mean, but but aggressive fighting for us. He's just picking a fight with some guy because I don't it's very strange. And I noticed something else from moment to moment. His personality can shift wildly like that. It's pretty interesting. This is a his first press conference. He's laying out why he ran for president. And he's very, oh, I did this and I did this. And then something happens right in the middle. So I'm running for three reasons. To restore the soul, dignity, honor, honesty, transparency to the American political system. Two, to rebuild the backbone of this country, the middle class, hardworking people and people struggling in the middle class. They build America and unions build them. The third reason I said I was running was to unite the country. <laughs> they built America. And the third reason is, you see that? It was just such a weird shift. Suddenly, boom, boom, boom. Here's a little condensed version. Hardworking people and people struggling in the middle class, they build America and unions build them. The third reason I said I was running was to unite the country. <laughs> they built America. I want to unite the country. Strange stuff, strange stuff. And this nice guy, this man who was supposed to restore normalcy, um, did this the other day. It was almost totally missed, but a microphone picked it up. He attacked a reporter's intelligence. Are you waiting for me to make the first move, sir? Now, look, I have no real friends in Washington, D.C. For the most part, these reporters can be a little stupid and full of themselves. And I maybe this reporter is fine. Her name is Jackie Heinrich from Fox News. And she was the reporter who asked the question. We're not uh, judging her. But Joe Biden said that was a stupid question. Well, Donald Trump once said the same thing about a reporter. Nobody made too big a deal out of this moment. Actually, it's hard to find the story. It's hard to find the audio. But when Donald Trump did this, it was DEFCON 5. Do you want him to rein in Robert Mueller? What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. Now, granted, <laughs> Trump did it right to her face and made himself heard, which is unique. And quite frankly, I love it. Now, there's uh, Abby Phillips. So uh, that happened. And uh, all hell broke loose in the mainstream media. 
he goes in on personal attacks. And yes, I do believe black women. Um, I will say it's racial. I will say that. Stupid answer more than a stupid question. The president is getting more and more abrasive with his language towards everybody, the press, African-American women. As a black woman, that's code language, and we all know what that means. The president was a bully, just flat out. What do we expect from this president? This is who he really is. He seems, <laughs> in my estimation, to do that way more with women and way, way more with African-Americans and way more with African-American women than he does with anybody else. In my estimation, all those people are crazy. And we all know that. Remember Jim Acosta? Remember all those guys in the fake news? Trump is always ripping on all of them all of the time. Boy, oh boy, they <laughs> had to racialize everything. And all right, stay with us. It looks like the Biden administration might be sicking the FBI on their political enemies. This is a uh, very, very troubling. You're looking at an FBI raid on a congressman, a Democrat congressman's campaign headquarters. Is it because he crossed Kamala Harris? Stay with us. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax. And we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. All right, that's uh, Congressman Henry Quaylar, Democrat of Texas. And uh, he may be in some trouble here. How did it start? We're not sure, but we know this. In the summer, when we were going through that horrible immigration crisis, he sent a letter to Kamala Harris, fellow Democrat. She's a vice president, of course. He's a congressman. And he said a couple of things. We got to fix this immigration crisis, you in particular. I believe it is critical that you meet with local stakeholders and residents, consider their concerns, and use their lived experiences to implement more effective policies. This is tough talk by D.C. standards, especially in the same party. The administration needs to take a proactive approach to create a sustainable system of humanitarian aid and relieve everyday Americans of that responsibility. This is very aggressive. All right. Well, are they being very aggressive with him? The FBI came knocking on his door. FBI, <clears throat> here you see a raid. You see that they're wearing the jackets, the FBI jackets and shirts. They went to his uh, campaign headquarters in Texas. They're looking for information regarding uh, fundraising and uh, Azerbaijan. Let's see how this plays out. But no arrests have been made. But the FBI actually conducted a raid. That can be highly, highly disruptive. He's not being arrested at this point, not being charged, but the FBI has turned his life upside down, certainly his political life upside down. Is that right? Is that correct? I find this troubling, concerning, and uh, it seems to be happening more and more. There's a guy named Ed Mullins. He's a former New York City police officer. He was in the head of the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, a very big police union. He was a big fan of Donald Trump's. He was a big enemy of Democrat Mayor Bill de Blasio. Had this big union job, had a lot of members. Guess what? The FBI came knocking on his office door. And they carted away a bunch of stuff. They also went to his house, carted away a bunch of stuff. This was months ago. 
They did not arrest Sergeant Mullins. They did not indict Sergeant Mullins. They turned his life upside down. He was a bitter enemy of the Democrat mayor here. Is the FBI, are they being abused? Are they allowing themselves to be abused? I know this, we all know this. The FBI has been politicized big time in recent years, right? Right? You know these characters. The FBI has been politicized. Not just, I don't have to go back years. I can go back to Saturday night. Saturday night, that terror hijacking slash kidnapping in uh, that synagogue in Texas. This guy holding people hostage. It's a synagogue. He's an extremist. They know he's an extremist. In fact, here he is being an extremist on his phone just before he gets killed. Yeah, I'm in America. Yeah, I thought I'll just kiss my last goodbye to you. Well, what's happened? Yeah, I've took some hostages on. Yeah, I've been surrounded by all my men. I'm in a synagogue. Yeah, I've come to die. Why but, you come to die? But I need to do that. Why? I've yeah? come to die. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take them toe to toe. Anyway, listen. I promised my brother when I washed him on that deathbed that I'm gonna go down as a martyr. I ain't gonna let no more suppress me. I've come to die, G. But yeah, come on. Okay. Yeah, I prayed for Allah for two years for this. I'm telling you. Either you come for it or they send it, I'm going back over the body bag. Yeah, I'm opening the doors for every youngster to enter America and f with them. So they let him die and they didn't release him, but guess what? Maybe they'll have compassion for f***ing Jews, but come in f***ing America and f*** with them if they want to f***. They give them war. So he said that in front of the hostages. Uh, they already knew who this guy was. They knew where he came from. They knew about the time he spent in Afghanistan. Yet the FBI... Once all was said and done, said this. We do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue uh, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community, uh, but we're continuing to work to find motive and, and we will continue on that path. How about that, huh? Uh, that is one strange FBI these days. So Congressman Quellar, uh, be careful. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Now this. Black lives matter. Brown lives matter. Of course, of course, but not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life or brown life is taken by a white cop. That way, they can make political points or maybe even achieve some financial security. But all lives matter, no matter the color of the life that took the life. The life of 18-year-old Robert Cuerdra mattered. He was killed this week in Patterson, New Jersey. He was bringing groceries to his grandmother's house when he got caught in the crossfire of a major gang shootout. At least 16 shots were fired in just a few seconds. One bullet hit this young man in the head. He overcame a very tough childhood to attend high school while working two jobs. He had just been accepted to Montclair State University, and he got a scholarship. He was a good kid. He was humble. He didn't, he didn't bother nobody. He don't go outside. <laughs> 2018, got accepted to Montclair. Got a scholarship. No arrests, uh, no suspects. Patterson has set a new record for shootings both last year and the year before. So we mentioned it was a major gang shooting and uh, with gangs, often you have people running around 
who come from broken homes or single parent homes or not much in the way of homes at all. You know, there was somebody who spoke about this boldly, powerfully, and in a way that few people were willing to speak. He started doing it back in 2008 in a pretty prominent way. I'm talking about Barack Obama. When he ran for president, when he wanted our support, when he wanted us to like him, he spoke in a way that was, well, you can't talk like this if you're a Democrat. <laughs> They'll cancel you. They'll cancel you if you're a Republican, actually, and you bring this up if you're not careful. But he was right then. It's too bad that he gave up. We can't simply write these problems off to past injustices. Those injustices are real. There's a reason why our families are dis in disrepair. And some of it has to do with a tragic history. But we can't keep on using that as an excuse. The change we need is not just going to come from government. It's not just going to come from a president. It's going to come from us. It's going to come from each and every one of us. How about that, huh? Hmm. Pretty bold. And he had an interesting way of speaking at that occasion. There's more. And this is good stuff, by the way. I agree. We need fathers to recognize that responsibility doesn't just end at conception. That doesn't just make you a father. What makes you a man is not the ability to have a child. Any fool can have a child. That doesn't make you a father. It's the courage to raise a child that makes you a father. Making a lot of sense. It's too bad he doesn't go there anymore. There's one more little uh, item here we'd like to share. Whether we're black or white, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're from the south side or the wealthiest suburbs. The first lesson, I think, that all of us has to embrace is the idea of responsibility. That the, the idea of, of taking responsibility for your actions and taking responsibility for those that you love. Well, what happened to him? A lot of things. He went woke, he went socialist, and he got very, very greedy. It's too bad. What an opportunity lost. When we come back, you may have seen probably the best question asked of Joe Biden since he became president by our very own James Rosen. What's going on with you, sir? Cognitively, you seem to be in decline and Americans have noticed. It was a fascinating exchange. James Rosen, Newsmax chief White House correspondent, when we come back. All right, that's James Rosen, one of the best journalists in America. Uh, great on TV. Hey, great writer, too. Some very successful books under his belt. A new one coming down the pike, I believe, about Justice Scalia. But James made major news this week when he confronted the President of the United States with the question, what is up with your cognitive situation, your mental health? He couched it far more elegantly than I just did, but it was a question that needed to be asked. He asked it in spectacular fashion. We'll show you it in a moment, but first, James Rosen, pal, welcome to Newsmax. How you doing? Great to be with you, my old friend. 
So, James, um, the pressure was on. I noticed you uh, were looking for questions from the public. How did you decide I'm going to ask the question about what's going on upstairs? When did you make that decision and how did you make it? First, I consulted my two sons, who are almost 15 and 12, about what I should ask the president if I get a question in at this news conference. My older son suggested I ask about Area 51. My <laughs> younger son asked if I would uh, ask the president to uh, direct a nuclear weapon at his older brother. Um, so I ignored those pieces of counsel. Um, I knew that if I got called on at all, which I wasn't supposed to because I was not on the list of pre-approved questioners. You could see the president consulting in between questions. But that if I did get called on, it would be very much toward the end of the event. Uh, and so a number of questions that would be in the news cycle that I might readily ask about, such as Russia, Ukraine or uh, inflation or what have you, would already have been broached. Um, I had this question ready to go uh, a couple of days before this news conference. And when I saw nobody else was going to broach it, and when I saw that the matter was at the top of political playbook on the morning of the news conference, I thought this is appropriate. It sure was. And we're glad you asked. And here is that question in its entirety and his very disappointing answer. But uh, let's take a look. Thank you very much for this honor. James Rosen with Newsmax. I'd like to um, I'd like to raise a delicate subject, uh, but with utmost respect for your life accomplishments and the high office you hold. A poll released this morning by Politico Morning Consult found 49% of registered voters disagreeing with the statement, Joe Biden is mentally fit. Wow. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, Thank so you. the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. And, and he just moved on. Uh, James, the question was so beautifully delivered. What was the atmosphere like in the room? He moved on right away. What was it like while you asked the question? And did you get any blowback, any, uh, any shade from anybody in that room? You could hear a pin drop when I was asking that question. Uh, I think the reporters in that room know me for a long time. Uh, I have been asking questions of presidents of the United States, former presidents. My first uh, appearance in a transcript asking a question of a sitting president of the United States was in December 1999 with President Clinton in the Oval Office. That group knows that I ask questions that are respectful but fair and tough. They all recall what I asked Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, in December 2019 during the impeachment drama. Do you hate the president, Madam Speaker? And the reaction that got. So they know I ask serious questions. Nobody in the room gave me any grief. But it, as you know, it kind of went viral online. And I've heard from folks who think I performed a heroic service and, to put it charitably, some who feel otherwise. Huh. Well, that's online. And you expect all types online. But I am surprised that... Lawrence O'Donnell, who, uh, you know, at one point was not crazy, but he said this on TV about that question. And uh, I'd like to play this for you. A reporter from Newsmax who deep into the of this very long press conference asked a very personal question about Joe Biden. It is an absolutely disgraceful question. Obviously, it wasn't. 
I think what he said is disgraceful. It's one thing when you hear, you know, comments on the Internet, but somebody like this who's not supposed to be crazy. James, what do you make of that reaction? You know from your own long career in television news, Greg, that when you work in the public eye, criticism comes with the territory. It might be within the job description of Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC to disparage me or this network. Uh, I don't regard it as being in my job uh, description to respond in kind or really at all. Well, uh... I responded for you on Twitter, so uh, uh, don't worry. It's on me, not you. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. James And I'm Rosen, grateful for that. We are uh, looking forward to uh, all of your contributions. We know they'll be awesome, and uh, sky's the limit around here. James Rosen, our new Newsmax chief White House correspondent. To be continued, sir. Thank you, Greg. Love you to you and your family. Ah, thank you so much. Same to your family, and we'll be right back with... Uh, Senator Purdue, former senator and maybe future governor in Georgia. He's running. Be right back. Okay, that's David Purdue, Republican of Georgia, former United States senator, and he's running for governor right now. Uh, and he's Trump's choice. Take a look at this. Uh, great to see that David Perdue is running for governor of Georgia. He is a conservative fighter who isn't afraid of the radical left and is the only candidate in Georgia who can beat Stacey the hoax Abrams in November. I love it. Senator Perdue, maybe future Governor Perdue, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm great, Greg. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. So, look, uh, Georgia, we are still a lot of us have grave concerns about what happened there in November of 20. Where are you on what happened and also in January and what could happen this time around? It seems like it's in a bit of chaos still. Georgia, I'm talking elections, of course. Well, we have a split party in Georgia, largely because of our top four elected officials led by our current governor, who failed us in uh, 2020, turned our election process over to Stacey, the hoax Abrams. And we saw the outcome. And since then, we've been trying to get to the bottom of it. I filed three lawsuits in November, asked for special sessions and uh, actually asked for the resignation of our Secretary of State. And since then, there's been a, a voter uh, lawsuit that got dismissed because they said they didn't have legal standing after the court ruled to unseal the absentee ballots in Fulton County. I have taken that suit up and refiled it under my name, and we want to find out if a candidate has legal standing. But this state is divided in the Republican Party, and we have to make sure that we unite that. And I think I'm the only one that can do that, given that I have Trump's endorsement. And getting into that general election, we want to make darn sure that Stacey Abrams is never the governor of Georgia. Besides preventing her from becoming, from becoming governor, which I think is a very noble cause, by the way, what do you want to do? Why do you want to be governor? Great. That's a great question. I was born and raised here. My mom and dad were school teachers. I grew up working on a farm. I love this state and the people in it. Um, we want to make the state more competitive, uh, and that means we need to get rid of the state income tax. I want our parents to know what's being taught to their children in school. So we have actually put forward a parental bill of rights to make sure that you don't have to go through hoops to find out what's being taught to your children. We now sit in Georgia with Atlanta tied with Chicago as a murder capital of America. We need to fix that. And then lastly, we need to make, a, make sure our elections are secure. And I propose to change the law enforcement structure and create an election 
uh, law enforcement division within the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and have an audit before you can certify an election. That means an outside independent audit like public companies have to do before they file their financial reports. Senator, I'm sorry, I only have 10 seconds left. Can you tell me what is wrong with Brian Kemp? I don't understand it. There's no downside to making this right with the president. I just don't understand it. We could have all gotten together. If he were going to bring us together, my question is, wouldn't he have done it already? David Perdue, Republican candidate for governor, former United States senator, to be continued. Thanks very much, sir. Thank you, Greg. We'll be right back. Well, thank you. Been a good week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Grant Stingfield is next. Enjoy that one. Take care. See you Monday.